I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 95, Outlander, the first half season. Well, I saw some of the episodes of Outlander that were on television this past fall, and I reviewed some of them in my blog, and I enjoyed them a lot. In fact, more and more as the first half of the series continued in the fall. So I thought I'd put together this little podcast in which I give you my reviews of the episodes that I did review this past fall of Outlander. And I'll be back in the spring with reviews of the second half of the first season. But let's go to the fall. Outlander, Season 1, Episodes 1 through 3. And I entitled that review, The Hope of Time Travel. I was drawn to the Outlander series on stars because, as all of you devoted and casual readers and listeners of this podcast and my blog well know, time travel is one of my passions as a viewer, a reader, and as an author. In addition, the retooled Battlestar Galactica on the Sci-Fi Channel a few years ago by Ronald D. Moore has to be one of my favorite series ever on television, period. And Outlander, based on the novels by Diana Gabaldon, is Moore's baby on television. The story is certainly firmly situated in time travel. Claire, a newly married nurse in Britain in 1945, somehow slips through time and finds herself in the tumultuous Scotland of 1747. But so far, in the first three episodes at least, there's little more than a dash of time travel in this excellent historical narrative. Indeed, we actually get a double historical narrative in Outlander because 1945 is, after all, history to us, too. But almost all the action after the first episode has been in 1747, where we meet a bow-legged laird, that's Scottish in those days for Lord, and all kinds of colorful characters. Claire's being a nurse makes her a good character for a time travel scenario, given that she brings to 1747 the greatly evolved medical knowledge of 1945, which of course is not as evolved as ours in 2014, but still a lot more advanced in most ways than what they had in 1747. But the main time travel in the story so far, other than Claire falling through time, is in her interior monologues, interestingly consisting of her musing about how she can apply her future medical knowledge without arousing too much suspicion. That's one of the classic time traveler problems, how you can do things in the past to improve things if you're a good guy or a good woman without attracting too much attention to yourself. Anyway, in these first three episodes of Outlander, instead of time travel, we get an immersion in the politics of the time and a brewing flirtation between Claire and a handsome Scott soldier. 
This creates a significant tension since Claire is happily married in 1945. But it's worth pointing out that someone who looks just like her husband is a no-good Brit in 1747, played by Tobias Menzies of Rome and all kinds of other fame. I think he was in a James Bond movie, too. If all of this were Claire's dream, her husband being a bad guy in 1747 would say something about her marriage in 1945, but presumably this is real in the story, not a dream. So what's someone who looks exactly like her husband doing back in 1747? Surely not coincidence. Did he time travel too? But if so, how come he didn't recognize Claire? I'll keep watching Outlander, but more for the historical romance of the story than the time travel, which at this point is more of a hope than a reality. And let me point out here also that I haven't read a word of the novels. I probably will after I finish watching the first full season of Outlander. But once I start watching a television show, I like seeing it and, uh, with any luck, appreciating it on its own terms rather than comparing it to a novel. Unless, of course, I've already read the novel earlier. My next review was of Outlander 1.6, and I titled that review Outstanding. Well, I've been watching and enjoying Outlander, enjoying it as historical fiction, not time travel, but tonight's episode 1.6 was just outstanding. We finally see what Blackjack is made of, and it's ugly indeed. I don't like half-hearted villains. One of the things that made Alfred Hitchcock's movie so memorable is that his villains were bad through and through like Bruno Anthony in Strangers on a Train, who, dying, still points his finger to frame an innocent man. Ah, what a great scene that was. Now, in Outlander, Blackjack appears to be just as bad. He nearly whipped Jamie to death and came to enjoy it as some kind of art. And he's likely to do the same to Claire if she doesn't tell him what he wants to know and if he can get away with whipping her, because there are some slightly better Brits around. The question regarding Blackjack is what makes him so bad, given that he has some obvious connection not yet revealed in the television series to Claire's husband in the 20th century? Is the message here that time mellows a bloodline if Blackjack is Frank's ancestor? Whatever the explanation and whatever its resolution in subsequent episodes and seasons, Tobias Menzies has given this all-but-depraved character an ace-sterling performance. Meanwhile, Dougal's plan that Claire marry Jamie as the only way she can be legally protected from Blackjack and the Redcoats is a good plan, both for the logic of the story and because Jamie and Claire go so well together. But if they have children, what role will their descendants play in the 20th century, where Claire is also alive? At very least, it avoids the possibly incestuous consequences of Claire sleeping with Blackjack, 
out of love for Frank. Ah, but this goes back to the paradoxes of time travel, which so far Outlander has not said too much about. What it is excelling at beautifully, though, is a story of how a woman with future sensibilities and literal experience can fare in a wilder time two centuries before her. So I'm looking forward to the two final episodes of this inaugural season and the second half of this inaugural season and season two beyond. I entitled my review of Outlander 1.7, Tender intertemporal polygamy. I never know how that word is pronounced. Polygamy, polygamy. Anyway, you get the idea. Another outstanding episode, 1.7 of Outlander, for reasons almost completely the opposite of last week's powerful episode, 1.6. In place of the beatings and brutality meted out by Blackjack to Jamie and Claire, we get Claire and Jamie together before, during, and the night after they are married. And what an exquisite portrait it was. They make love at least four times, providing quadruple ratification of their marriage for all concerned, and each time was a delicate and passionate sight to behold. As Claire has been throughout her relationship so far with Jamie, and indeed just about everyone else except Blackjack, 200 years in the past, she softly calls the shots, leading Jamie, a virgin, but not, as he aptly says, a priest, through the pleasures of the flesh. Since Claire is from the future, and married in the future at that, she knows things about the bedroom that Jamie had never dreamed of. She responds like a woman from the future, too. The fact that they're not only physically attracted to one another, but love each other, even though neither will quite yet admit it, makes all of this a tenderly beautiful series of scenes to behold. Which is not to say that Claire no longer has any problems. She runs into one about three-quarters into this erotic night, when Jamie is sleeping and Dougal comes into the room to tell Claire that he broke the news of her marriage to Blackjack, okay, and then Dougal makes a move on Claire of his own. Now, fortunately for Claire, the Scots never shared the Inuit custom of wife-lending. But if the coming attractions to next week's mid-season finale are any indication, Claire has far more serious problems awaiting her in the future, or its interaction with her present in the past, because she now has two husbands, both of whom she loves, separated by 200 years. In that sense, Outlander gives serial polygamy a new kind of meaning, or maybe we need a new name for it, intertemporal polygamy. Claire symbolizes this situation when she holds up her two hands to herself at the end of this fine episode. Each hand has a wedding ring. Which hand will prevail in this big love across time? Hard to say, but the episode that got us to this place will surely go down as one of the best, 
tenderly sensual and beautifully filmed marriage night stories ever seen on television. Well, the last episode of the first half of the season was 1.8, and I entitled that review, The Other Side. Outlander served up a powerful and palpable mid-season one finale tonight, as brutal at times as last week's episode was tender and beautiful. The pivotal action was between Frank slash Blackjack and Claire, because for the first time this season, we get a look at Frank's desperate and unsuccessful attempt to find Claire in 1945. And after he listens to a local's advice, which happens to be the truth of the Stones and their time-traveling power, he almost does get to see and hold his Claire again. He hears a voice as she hears his on both sides of the time-travel divide. But before they can reunite across time, Redcoats pull her back to the 200 year earlier time. Hmm. This lack of successful union is the theme of this episode, and it's played out again totally in the past when Blackjack is about to rape Claire on the table. Several important things about this scene. First, why is Blackjack so sexually attracted to Claire? because she's so beautiful, or is there something else? Surely a rape is not the best way to torture someone, as the fury it could provoke might well make the victim even less likely to talk. As for Claire, this is a dangerous scene indeed. She was just this close to reuniting with Frank. Will she feel nothing but hatred for the man who looks just like Frank? and is on the verge of raping her. But this doesn't happen either because Jamie appears at the opportune moment as the episode ends. There's a nice mirror parallel in the Frank and Blackjack scenes with Claire. In the first, Claire is prevented from being with Jack by bad Brits of the past. In the second, Claire won't be raped by Blackjack because the best man in the past, Jamie, arrives on the scene to save her. When Jamie tells Blackjack to keep his hands and more off his wife, it's almost as if he's also telling that to Frank across time, 200 years in the future. I've come to consider Outlander one of the best series on television now, and I'm very much looking forward to its resumption. And as I said... I'll be back here in the spring with more reviews of Outlander. You can find written reviews of Outlander on my blog. That's paullevinson.net, P-A-U-L-L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N.net. And those will be written shortly after each episode airs beginning in the spring. And you'll find other episodes of this podcast on all kinds of things, reviews of other television shows, movies, political issues. I even occasionally read a short story that I might have written. All of that is on Light On, Light Through, and that's L-I-G-H-T-O-N-L-I-G-H-T-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com. 
Light on, light through. Hey, enjoy the holidays. The Light on, Light Through podcast. Athens, 2042 A.D. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. 